Hi, this is Louis C.K. And I'm Steve Buscemi. And you're listening to Horace and Pete. At Horace and Pete's. Nah, just kidding. You're actually listening to Lucidity. I'm Ryan Muskin. I'm Levi Rainey. And today's episode is called... Oh, shook up. <laughs> you mean... I'm all shook up. Bow. All shook up, and that actually, thinking about it, is sort of almost an insensitive title. When you really think about what this episode is about... Today's a controversial, a controversial one, ladies and gentlemen, and children all over the world. We're talking about shaken baby syndrome, and it's this is you guys are gonna have to bear with me on this for those of you who aren't super familiar with the controversy surrounding shaken baby syndrome, because I wasn't, and it seems like a shady concept at first, but you gotta trust me that this is like a real thing. Longtime fans of shaken baby syndrome will understand. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, so I'm going to give you a quick background about this and explain why I'm, I wrote this episode on shaken baby syndrome. A few weeks back, almost a month ago, um, I saw a I saw basically a film screening for a movie called The Syndrome uh, that we're kind of promoting in this episode. The Syndrome is documentary, uh, journalistic documentary style film about shaken baby syndrome and people who have been convicted for um, injuring or even murdering a child by shaking them. And these people are later, not all of them, but several of them are later found innocent and exonerated. And I spoke, I met the uh, the lead journalist for it, Susan Goldsmith, who I interviewed for this episode, and you'll hear from her later. Uh, and she had a really interesting story, and she'll explain that a little bit more in the interview. But I found it super interesting, and I was blown away by the uh, film, so I highly recommend it. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I kind of want to talk about this is controversial. A lot of people have never heard of this. I never heard of it. I don't like. Have you ever heard that shaken baby syndrome oh, yeah. was was? Well, I've, I mean, I've heard of it. No, but yeah. I mean, have you heard of like the? I don't know. I guess the misconceptions behind it. Like, did you know um, that it? Did you know that it wasn't scientifically backed? No, I didn't know that. Right. Well, I never I, really looked into it. I just that's uh, a, yeah, just kind of accepted took the word for it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's how I was and how most people are with this because it seems like a thing where all doctors generally agree that it's not good to shake an infant. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think that's a pretty for those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. your baby is not a maraca. More at eleven. Go ahead. <laughs> what back at episode one? Do you remember uh, we talked about vaccines for a little bit and Donald Trump? and oh, yeah. things and how there's a lot of people out there that believe that vaccines cause autism in children yep. and how that's the that's the most ridiculous thing ever and there's actually a website what is it it's like how uh, do vaccines cause autism.com yeah and if, if you go to that website it will tell you <laughs> the answer go check that website out. uh well that's kind of the same concept as what we're talking about here this is a really specific episode uh vaccines they a lot of people believe that they can cause uh, harmful side effects and may have long-term lasting effects that we don't even know about. And when in fact vaccines are safe and the risk of death or harmful injury is extraordinarily low, according to the Institute of Medicine report in 1994. Recent reports have shown that autism rates have actually increased despite 
removal of the preservative originally blamed for them and the illness. Another example of something people believe is dangerous but isn't in extremely small doses, like vaccines, is mercury. Like babies are exposed to mercury in milk, including breast milk. Yeah. So mercury. they're not all dead <laughs> from that. I was reading some comparisons of like the like the dangers of vaccines. It's like any amount of anything can be dangerous. Like you can have too much water in your body and that will kill you. And that's like the same thing as like a vaccine is it's so rare that it can be harmful for you. I think the biggest like side effect of getting vaccinated is uh, your kid might cry for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, no, that's the worst oh, that'll here, happen. This was the analogy that I read was worrying about a vaccine, um, like creating any kind of problems in, in you is like worrying about drowning when somebody splashes a cup of water at you. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Are you saying water causes autism? <gasps> <laughs> I'm telling you, we're a controversial, controversial <laughs> podcast. Uh, so what is shaken baby syndrome, and why is that the topic here? Levi. Levi. Oh, shake, it, what? <laughs> shaken baby syndrome is a serious brain injury resulting from forcefully shaking an infant or toddler. There is literally no medical or scientific evidence that support its validity. In order to create enough force to cause head trauma in an infant, the neck of the child would have to break. However, there are no shaken baby syndrome cases where this has occurred. And after several parents were sentenced to several years to life in prison, a few doctors began to look into the case and found that there was no formal studies done or any empirical data to support this syndrome. If you trace back the reasons for this, it all leads back to money. Shaken money, baby money, syndrome money. is everywhere. There are awareness groups, seminars, conventions, books, websites, movies, you name it. Uh, they're all based on junk science. You know, the doctors that drove the syndrome are at the center of this money-making scheme. And doctors are just in it for the money, as we all know. Here comes the money. <laughs> money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, Dollar, dollar. Say no matter. It sounds shocking and hard to believe, but you have to sit back and listen. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was a good transition no it's true uh sit back and listen to this interview um with me and susan goldsmith it's over the phone it's our first over the phone interview uh, on this show um but 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 listen uh to it it's pretty interesting she says a lot of cool things and i highly recommend watching the film we'll be right back Hi Susan, I'm glad you <laughs> glad you got my call. I wasn't sure if you got it before. I called you a couple minutes ago. If you don't mind, just like introducing kind of yourself um, and like who sure. you are, and then I'll kind of uh -huh. dive into the questions and everything. Sure. Okay, great. Should I just go now? Okay. My <laughs> name is Susan Goldsmith, and I am a career investigative reporter and the writer producer of a soon to be released documentary film called The Syndrome. You can see our web our website online at thesyndromefilm.com. Yes, and that is uh, the woman who kind of inspired this whole episode um, a few weeks back. Actually, I think it was only about a week ago. I got to see a screening of the film, and it kind of inspired me. So, Susan, our show's about misconceptions, um, both kind of broad and also specific, and I think... Mm -hmm. your film kind of hits on on both of those um it talks about the really specific misconceptions surrounding shaken baby syndrome but also just 
how we interpret information and who we trust with certain facts. And so I, I want to start off kind of by asking you how you first came across this issue um, and, and what brought you to like investigating it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I love the conceit of your show. I think there's so many things, Ryan, that need to be questioned. And um, especially as investigative reporting is withering away, sadly, um, it's great that you're doing what you're doing. When I was an investigative reporter at the Oregonian, the Audrey Edmonds decision um, came out as, in Wisconsin, which was the first decision in the country throwing out the shaken baby syndrome conviction. The woman had spent 11 of 16 years in prison, and the judge ruled that the science was no longer sound enough to support it had changed so much, it was no longer sound enough to support her conviction, and the medical examiner in the case also changed his ruling of death in the case from intentional to can't, can't determine it, right. and she was let out of prison, and it was the first case, and one of my sources um, alerted me to this ruling and said, I think there's some interesting stuff going on in this area. And I started to look into it, and the first question I asked is, "What? how is shaken baby syndrome really diagnosed? Right. And um, it traditionally, the story um, around the syndrome was diagnosed by bleeding in the outer layer of the brain, known as subdural hematoma, okay. um, swelling, swelling of the brain, um, cerebral edema, and bleeding in the back of the eyes retinal hemorrhaging. But when I started boring down and reading these cases from around the country and the criminal complaints against the people who were charged in these cases, sometimes it would be um, subdural hematoma plus uh, retinal hemorrhages missing the brain swelling. Other times it would be one thing plus two other things, rib fractures and something else. Another time it would be the retinal hemorrhaging with nothing else. And I started to see that there was absolutely no diagnostic gold standards for this thing. Right. So there was no consistency to Absolutely none. Absolutely none. It's one thing, two things, three plus one. And I thought, how is that even possible? Okay, well, let's look at what happens to these kids in these cases. Well, there again, absolutely no conformity whatsoever. Everything from the baby had emotional injuries, as in Kathy Hyatt's case you saw from my film, mm-hmm. to, to death. And so uh, it didn't really hold up under scrutiny. And then um, what were the penalties in the case? Well, everything from death row to probation. When you first started investigating this, did you find that other there were others who also were with you on this, who didn't see the scientific basis behind it, or who were questioning the the accuracy of shaken baby syndrome? Or did you kind of just dive into this alone? I dove into it with my cousin Meryl, and um, basically we came upon this group. We're really the storytellers of this movement, which is to bring science into this equation and take hysteria, out of it, right, and put rationale and science into this issue. And so we're the storytellers. We're telling the big story of this group 
of doctors, legal scholars, scientists, and others who challenge this and have defended families in these cases. And, you know, we focus on these three key doctors. Right. And from what I recall from the film, you kind of explain how these are the same three people, some of the individuals that kind of also pushed um, this issue with like satanic rituals in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you kind of explain mm-hmm. the historical ton- context of that and its, its sure. significance? Um, we hone in on three key doctors who have really been the, the biggest proponents of the shaken baby syndrome diagnosis, diagnosis in the country. They've trained legions of doctors in this theory around the country and world. They have lots of friends and colleagues promoting this now and with them um, in, in this area. I started to really hone in on these three who are really the three biggest leaders in this field and interviewed um, a investigative reporter in San Diego named Jim Ackerblom. And through reading about Jim Ackerblom's work, he was a brilliant investigative reporter with the San Diego Union Tribune. I learned that Chadwick Center, uh, the center um, that Chadwick is now, it's named the Chadwick Center for Children and Families in San Diego at mm-hmm. Rath Brady Children's Hospital, he was in- instrumental, according to Jim Ackerblom, in promoting the satanic panic theory through his conferences at his his uh, center there in San Diego. He's interviewed in our film. And what exactly is the satanic panic theory? Satanic panic, you're too young to remember it, but believe it or not, in the, in the early 80s, the first federal funding to fight child abuse um, began flowing from Washington, D.C. down to the states, and states began putting in place at hospitals child abuse centers, and soon after that funding began to flow, um, basically an outbreak of so-called Satan-inspired ritual abuse cases began to appear across the country. Seriously, I mean, they began prosecutors and doctors, and Dr. Chadwick Center was fueling this, according right. to Ackerblom, um, that there were Satanists. It sounds crazy, right. but that there were people who, like, loved the devil, <laughs> Satan worshippers. It's bizarre. Really, you, you think it sounds so crazy, but you've got to check it out, Brian. It mm-hmm. will blow your mind. But... <laughs> Basically, um, it corresponded to this money flowing, and um, what people, some people would say is that the money was flowing. They had to find the abuse. They had to get that engine going. And um, when that pretty much was exposed as fraudulent, there were no satanic people. There were no Satan rings and daycares. People were, by and large, let out of prison cases uh, crumbled. Um, There was a a kind of therapy that was born with that called repressed memory. Have you ever heard of that? Sure. Yeah. So that was all part of the same stew, right? And I remembered that I was in the cult and I remembered being abused in the womb. All of that happened together. And then all of that kind of died together. 
Right. And those people that were pushing that in the criminal justice system and in the medical legal arena, because the other two doctors were our editors and um, authors of medical school textbooks, and we found that both the two we identify in the film as being instrumental in building Shaken Baby put satanic panic ritual stuff in medical school textbooks that they were authors and editors. Of. So there's so there's actually there's a, a relation there between these two. Um, yeah. These two big medical. Okay, so. Is there so this is a misleading thing similar to the satanic panic, um, but only more widespread and almost more accepted. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Basically, um, it's now known that many, many conditions that were once believed to be shaken baby syndrome, many things are going on with those children. Innocent people have been charged, convicted. Um, yeah. Well, how and, so? Why is it so widely accepted despite the – I guess my question is, is there any evidence that really supports shaken baby syndrome, any empirical scientific data? No, I, I think there's not. And the thing – they have a literature. They do have many articles that people who've gone in and evaluated have evaluated the the evidence level of that literature have put it at the lowest level of wow. scientific evidence wow. um, that it's anecdotal, it's self-referential, self-referential and reverential and um, doesn't qualify. And, and they talk about that in the film. One of them says, so there is a literature. It might not rise to the level of fine evidence medicine, based medicine. And he says, but, there's a lot in medicine that doesn't rise Certainly. to that level. They themselves say that about their own literature. Right. But I think, Ryan, the big picture from this is that scientific junk, which I think at this point, shaken baby syndrome does qualify as scientific junk. And uh, two of the people whose work put it into the common parlance and into the criminal justice system have said they got it wrong. Right. Two of the people that it, we know about it because of their work have said it's wrong. Wow. They didn't understand that. So that's pretty critical. Yeah, that's a huge in, deal. In, a huge deal in calling it junk. But the point is that junk does not come labeled as junk. And that was really eye-opening for me. In this case, this theory comes with very heavy a patina of heavy credentials, the, the, the imprimatur of the Academy of Pediatrics. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it looks really powerful and impressive and real and as funded. And in fact, when you bore down, there's no there there. Right. And that's frightening because you don't think you've got to really go and figure out and what's the truth. And, you know, um, this goes into my work as an investigative reporter and the fact that this work is dying in America. That's another big part of my message. Yes. Like, hey, people care about this. Right. Well, and that's this so many people just very... Uh, instantly will accept, you know, if there's a doctor that says, even just one doctor that says something based off of, as you said, junk, junk science, 
um, yeah. they'll, yeah. people are so ready to accept that. And now when you have an entire group of doctors, a whole industry built around it, it makes it that much more widely accepted. Which, Absolutely. Which... And, and the other thing I would say is when you hear the word child abuse, myself included, that is a horrible thing. People just kind of go fuzzy in the head. And we really can't go fuzzy in the head with this now that we have two of these criminal justice fiascos involving child abuse allegations. We need science and rationale to right. rule the day, not hysteria. Right. How how many and, parents or how often are parents or are individuals incriminated for shaken baby syndrome? It's a really good question. It's almost impossible to know because right. um, there these courthouses around the country where these cases are brought and in uh, county courthouses, they, they are brought under a number of statutes, including child abuse, child neglect, homicide, manslaughter. And so you, you, it's very hard to know. Um, I think several hundred of them I think it's safe to assume there's several hundred a year okay. around the country, but hard to exactly know. Deborah Turkheimer, the legal scholar in our film who writes about this, who's a former child abuse prosecutor, estimates that there's a thousand innocent people in prison right now in America for this. Oh, wow. Is Haven't you found also evidence not only that uh, argues against it, but that actually like disputes it? Um, directly? Yes, yes. yes. Um, um, basically, there's one of the disciplines understanding the theory of shaken baby syndrome and what happens with children um, with these brain injuries also involves the discipline of biomechanics, right? Mm -hmm. Biomechanical engineering and how the body works and the, the pathology of injury. And the studies into the biomechanics of shaken baby syndrome, including the man whose work it was based on, who said that you must have a neck injury right. before you can create those symptoms in the head, those injuries in the head. So the force the needs to go through the neck. So there were no cases and, where the child had an, like a neck injury and also a brain? No, wow. no, a, no, a catastrophic neck injury. And so the biomechanics does not back them at all. And even their own research into the biomechanics, which was done at Penn University Engineering, and the man who ran that study testified in the Nanny Louise case for Nanny Louise. Um, they tried to get football players to see how much force they could generate wow. shaking a dummy, right? And it was not to figure out what injuries could happen. It was to figure out how much force, because they know the force needed to create those intracranial symptoms, right? Sure. Injuries. And the, the, they could not generate one-tenth the force needed wow. to create those neurological injuries. Wow. And so what the promoters of shaken baby syndrome of that diagnosis were forced to do as a result of that studies and repeated biomechanical evidence that, that not only doesn't back them, refutes them, 
they now have to say biomechanics is not a relevant discipline. Um, biomechanics, you can't shake real babies. You can't really figure this out. Right. We have but Dr. like Dr. Davis. Yeah. In, in your film, you kind of talk about how, like, oh, well, we use the same kind of crash dust dummies in car accidents and, and things. I mean, they're reliable there, but why? So why does it not merit for uh, this kind That's of right. stuff? That's right. I mean, we we use this. Um, we use biomechanical research for every everyday safety devices that we use throughout the day and are the basis of many things. That, that we understand, but um, because the science of biomechanics does not back this this theory, they're they're forced to trash biomechanics. And what Dr. Chadwick is quoted, we have him from a, a shaken baby syndrome conference in which he says in, himself, "We turn to science where science goes our way." Oh gosh, <laughs> that's a and that's I his quote. Doctor, yeah, that's Doctor Chadwick and our film. Wow. Yes, from a shaken baby conference, we turn to science where science—I think he says—where science goes our way. Wow. And I think that pretty much sums up the attitude, and that's kind of a scary thought that we have doctors who can prescribe treatments saying we go with science when we like what it says, but also these people have the ability to put you in prison for this diagnosis. Right, exactly. What is the most important thing that you would want people to take away from the syndrome? The most important thing is that people need to know about this and hopefully we'll see our film and share it and we'll get involved following the film and helping fix, helping to fix what this law professor calls a, quote, staggering criminal justice crisis. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity to really get involved and fix this thing. Thank you, Susan Goldsmith. You're a fantastic person, and I loved having you on the show. And I found it very interesting and very fascinating to talk to you about this. Go check out The Syndrome, everybody. Uh, it came out on April 15th. and be out in select theaters all around the country. Now, before we wrap up this episode, I just want to go over a few things that Susan kind of talked about that I wanted to hit on a little bit more. So Susan talked about how doctors kind of did a study about um, about about shaken baby syndrome and how it actually works and wh how they kind of disproved it uh, ever being a legitimate court case. They found that in order to uh, create any kind of brain damage, any kind of neural damage, any hemorrhage or whatever to an infant, um, you have to shake a child with a certain force uh, that they were unable to do. They couldn't replicate. So these doctors had football players from whatever school she had mentioned in the interview um, take like essentially the same kind of crash test dummy dolls that they would use in uh, car crash experiments and things like that to test airbags. Um, they took the infant child version of that and they had these massive football players shake them as hard as they could to see if they could equate to the amount of joules, uh, joules, the measure of force required to create that kind of neural damage. And these football players couldn't do it without first 
uh, breaking the, the neck of the child. And in all of these court cases, there's no, there's no case where a child has any injury to their neck, any severe injury to their neck. And yet these parents were being put in prison. I found that to be kind of interesting. So what what I find kind of funny about the whole thing too, and Susan talked about this also, is how people get behind things that have a certain title to them. So people that are standing up for children, right? Regardless of if they're right or not in the science behind what they're saying, if people hear this is defending a child from abuse, they will get behind it and think it's good. They don't people don't want to acknowledge if it's doing any harm or anything, as long as it's protect something that they know is going towards protecting a child, people are for that, which is a good, I think that's a good instinct to have. But we also need to take that time to like step back and be like, okay, wait, is this actually like doing good for people? Are we protecting children? And that kind of leads me to this uh, little note that I had taken about the American Academy of Pediatrics. Sounds like a very trustworthy thing. And they recommended that doctors stop using the term shaken baby syndrome, noting that the precise mechanisms for all abusive injuries remain incompletely understood, which means that shaking a child is not necessarily going to do it. Shaking a child will not cause the symptoms that um, they claim do from shaken baby syndrome. And the American Academy of Pediatrics said that, but they didn't completely deny it. And then the American Academy of Pediatrics goes on to create a new term, uh, for shaken baby syndrome kind of as an umbrella to like encompass all of these things because they started changing it from shaken baby syndrome to like shaken and impact and all of these things and saying in slammed baby syndrome well obviously if you slam anybody's head on anything that's going to you know that's going to create an injury that's not or if like you thump them like pigs as mentioned in episode <laughs> three now on itunes yes. yes go good shout out there go <laughs> go uh, I mean, it's it's kind of gotten to a point where they're just they're almost admitting that okay, it's not totally shaken baby syndrome, but like we're just gonna not deny, we're not gonna say we're wrong. We're just gonna say, well, it's shaken and slammed baby. Like, oh well, yeah, you can't. No one's saying that if you slam a baby, it's not gonna hurt them. Clearly, that's you shouldn't do that. Oh, I feel like I've gotten blended baby syndrome, um, splattered baby syndrome, flattened baby syndrome. Hollowed Anyways. out baby syndrome. <laughs> no, 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 no. Scooped no, no. out insides baby syndrome. <laughs> okay, okay, we're done. We're done. We're done with that. We're done with that. Wood People chipper return. baby syndrome. All of our, all of our. <laughs> there goes our whole audience. We've lost everybody. Uh, bye, audience. In the presence of authority and experts, we tend to trust those who are in charge. However, we can't believe everything we're told. We can't accept everything the majority believes. It is crucial that we question everything and find the truth on our own terms. If it weren't for journalists like Susan Goldsmith, there would be no movement to save ourselves from ignorance and injustice. Clear heads must prevail. We have to shake up the system and educate ourselves. Lucidity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lucidity, our website where you can find this episode and all our episodes along with our social media links and extra information is luciditypodcast.com. Next Thursday, we're going to be back with a new episode where we're going to – it's sort of a follow-up episode. We're going to be talking about wrongful convictions, and we're going to have a very special guest on, a man who was actually sentenced to death row and was in prison for 20 years. So be sure to check that one out. That'll be a fun time. Hit the subscribe button if you like the show and leave a review on iTunes to let us know what you think. Yeah, actually do that. Please 
hit the subscribe button and more importantly leave us a review because we like to hear what you think okay and let us All let right. us know let us know if you okay if you think we're wrong about anything because i'm doing it love to hear it all, all right. right all right wrap it up levi hey, ryan yeah did you know that lucidity is written by ryan muskin and produced by levi rainey our theme music is provided by george watsky additional music in this episode was provided by elvis presley and bensound.com <laughs> i i did know that thanks you knew that yeah i right. am the, i am that guy see you next Bye. time Bye.